Okay, Barbara, what's your favourite fresh produce? I'm such a broccoli fan. I love it in stir fries. I love it in smoothies. I love it in pancakes. And just crunch. Oh, broccoli slaw has got to be my all-time summer favourite. Do you know what? Yes, and and I have to say, again, in season, cauliflower, <laughs> raw cauliflower with hummus. Everyone that's just dialed in, everyone that's just dialed in, we're just letting, we're just letting uh, Barbara and Sarah uh, get, get, get on with it just to, to find out what, uh, um, we did a, a great broadcast with the AHDB this morning. We had this uh, amazing, amazing lady, Holly Beckett on, um, talking about meditation. And when we asked her about her favourite fresh produce, uh, she said beef. Can't go wrong with a good bit of beef. No, no, sorry, sorry, Holly, we haven't quite got this right. It's not, it's fresh produce. What, what fresh, well, potatoes, because they go with beef. So. <laughs> what, what, what a great lady. Right, come on, oh. let, let, let's, get, let's get on with this. We are live on, onto Facebook. We're live onto LinkedIn. We're live onto YouTube. We're live onto podcasts. Uh, we are talking about the fantastically amazing Oxford Farming Conference. Sarah, Barbara, say hello. Hello. Oh. Hello. So you two are the joint chairs of the Oxo Farming Conference. Is that correct? Sarah, you go first. It is, yes. Um, we, all directors, uh, it's a voluntary post. We are a registered charity and we are directors for three years. And it goes dramatically and frighteningly quickly. And uh, about this time last year, Barbara and I and the other director in our year, as it was our year group, Tom, had a conversation and uh, Barbara and I agreed to take the uh, wow. virtual chain of office. <laughs> Excellent. And, and Barbara, how did that work? Did, did Sarah sort of put, put, her, put your arm behind it, behind your back and say, come on, we're doing this. This is going to be a tag team. It's, <laughs> it's a huge undertaking. Both of us work full time. And when you volunteer to, to be part of a charity, you want to give it your all. But actually, in a year that we had last year, we knew that we were really going to have to put our, you know, the, the foot to the floor on this one and, and make sure we had so much resource given to it. It takes a lot of focus. And I think having two of us and we work well as a team. It's great having the wider Oxford Council, but you know, I can just message Sarah at any time. We can just get stuff done. And that, yeah. that's been a huge help. I think doing it on your own as a single chairperson would yeah. not be. And, and, and everyone, these guys are so organized. They've even got a joint email. I've never come across that before, a joint email. So, so just, let's, let's just set, set the speed scene, speed scene, especially for those on the, on, on the podcast, because we really want to, big up the, the conference because it's um what, what were you educating me on um uh, barbara that it's been in existence since 75 years it's amazing um and this uh, uh coming january it is going to be a seminal moment for, for the reasons that we're going to discuss so just let me I, I printed this off the off the website and again just for those of the podcast i think it's important for everyone to be aware the 2022 oxford farming conference roots to resilience will be co-chaired by Barbara and Sarah, and will be held from Thursday the 5th to Saturday, Saturday the 7th of January, 2022. Let's just say those dates again, we'll, we'll, we'll put all the links on the, on, the, on the posts as they go out. Thursday the 5th to Saturday the 7th of January, 2022. The event will embrace a hybrid model with the opportunity for delegates to attend the live conference in Jan 2022, or enjoy the speakers and sessions from the comfort of their own home. Oxford Farming directors chose this topic Roots to resilience, coming out of the pandemic, realizing the importance of resilience for all of us. How can people be sustainable in their business management and more mentally and emotionally resilient? Information regarding tickets, speakers, program, fringe events will be announced soon. Please ensure you're, you're signed up for the Oxford Farm Conference. Da, da, da. Look, look at all, all the links. So, to just, can we just um, uh, to have a little bit more of a deep dive as to roots to resilience? 
Um, do, do you think we, we don't we have to get away from this pandemic and, and be sort of frightened of, of, of where we've been and, and be a bit more open? Why have you gone for that that title? Sarah, you, you go first. Yeah, well, it, um, we thought a lot, Barbara and I, about um, the increasing disconnect there seems to be between the people making the decisions about agriculture and the people actually having to farm. So um, even now, globally, between 50 and 60% of all food is produ produced by farmers who are farming small hectareage or acreage. Uh, they are small scale farmers, family farms. Uh, and yet the decisions about agriculture, about what we eat are being taken by intergovernmental organizations like the WTO, like the EU, um, like the GATT trade talks yeah. um, and big multinational companies. And it, some, it seemed to us it, it was very difficult for those small farmers to have that voice about the thing that they're doing and about how they wow. become resilient in the long term. Okay, well, well said. And um, is the Oxford Farming Conference, is it parochial? Is it, is it just for <laughs> those 25 miles uh, radius of Oxford or England or the UK or, or internationally? What, what's the aim? Well, we, I'm sorry, I'm looking to Barbara very quickly. Um, no, global, absolutely. Um, and we were delighted last year. And one of the real advantages of having to go digital was that we had a much wider reach than we would have done in yeah. a normal year. I mean, normally we do get... Um, farmers from all over the world, from South Africa, New Zealand, from the States, but that was even more so uh, with the digital offer. Um, we make sure we get speakers, international speakers, so we can talk a little bit about that in a minute, but we've got, for example, the EU um, Agriculture Secretary will be coming oh, to wow. make a keynote. Um, we will hopefully have other top line international speakers that we're just in negotiations about. Um, but yes, speakers from all over the world and uh, delegates from all over the world as well. And, and Barbara, we were just talking in the in the green room about the 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 credibility of the Oxford Farming Conference because we all three of us um, we and everyone dialed in. We've all gone to lots of conferences in the past, and some some come and go. Oxford Farming Conference, as, as you said, Barbara has been here for seventy five years, and it does seem to be this go to lightning rod of, of an of an event. If you want to network, if you want to hear the the, the best informed speakers, if you well, you only have to look at the media in traditional years when you've had some amazing breaking stories that it's made it all all over the all over the headlines. Barbara, has that been difficult to try and keep that going in, on, on a hybrid basis? I think that the difference with a hybrid or with a digital offer is that people are prioritizing content because you don't have that ability to chat to somebody in the queue for the toilets. I probably shouldn't be highlighting the fact that there are queues for toilets and coffee, but that's where the networking happens. <laughs> The tonics are very good. <laughs> I've seen the reviews. <laughs> so I think, you know, with doing a hybrid event, it's about making sure you've got that good balance of content, as well as with the physical conference where people are able to have exchanges of opinion. And the beautiful thing about the physical conference is you will bump into, say, for example, you're supplying into retail. You could be yeah. rubbing shoulders as somebody who works at one of the retailers. You could be talking to somebody who's supplying you with inputs. The whole supply chain is there. In fact, the whole food system is there. So yeah. it gives you a really good opportunity to speak to people face to face, some of who you might just happen to sit next to and strike up a conversation and realize that, well, that's the person I've been trying to get an appointment with for the last six months. And with a hybrid, it's more about digesting the content exchanging information and Q&A and, and chatting, you know, digitally with other people who you can't physically get next to. So there is something for everybody and that's what we're aiming yeah. for. 
And if it's okay to use the example that you've used previously, Barbara, and we won't name them, but there's a there's a, an amazing uh, fresh produce business that, that we both know. And uh, uh, you persuaded um, a key individual to go along. And uh, what was the quote? That he he met um, so many uh, retailer contacts that he, he'd been trying for the last 18 months to get hold of. And they were all in one room and he managed to engage with them and business cards were swapped over. And I think uh, business was done, done on the back of that. So, so networking wise, that was very good. And on, on your website, you just look at the, the people that you've had in previously, uh, Mr. Dimbleby, uh, Mr. Eustace, I, 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 without trying to um, uh, to to break any <laughs> any conference on a, on a recorded broadcast, can, can you can you guarantee us that you've got some some big big note speakers coming in that we're all going to relish hearing from, Sarah? Uh, oh yes, um, as I said, the EU Agriculture Secretary, um, we are in negotiations for a couple of other big international speakers that we're keeping our fingers crossed about as well. Um, we've got um, Henry Dimbleby will be coming back to give wow. a, a progress report on the national food strategy and we'll be bringing lots of very uh, influential food thinkers with him as part of that of that session. Um, we've got um, we almost certainly got the DEFRA Secretary of State. I mean, I say that I, I couch it slightly but we have a commitment a regular commitment with DEFRA that uh, we'll have a senior minister at the very least uh, to, to speak and uh, yes I mean Barbara we've also got your the the organize the session yes, that you're so putting that's together right. yes I've put together the Frank Parkinson lecture and we've got Professor Sarah Bridal um, I don't know if you've seen her TEDx talk where she talks about food and climate change without the hot air. And we just felt that on the back of COP26, it would be remiss of us not to touch on that subject. And she's going to be looking at how people in that squeezed middle, so the people who are trying to find a way to net zero carbon in, yeah. by 2030 or 2040 or tw whatever the deadline finally is. Yeah. But it's about looking at our food system rather than just saying the production end what happens all the way throughout the food supply chain and the whole food system. Wow, that's, I that's think cool. farmers will be fascinated by what she's got to say. Excellent. And just go back to um, Henry Dimbleby. Um, Sarah, first, okay, I'm just going to give, get, ask you to give a bit of an understanding as to the National Food Strategy for, for graduates who might not have seen it and also for our um, um, overseas um, viewers. But the fact that the, the white paper is um, uh, being be rushed through, um, actually that could be very interesting come jam because there might be some gov governmental um, update from that. Um, Sarah, can you just give a bit of an understanding of the National Food Strategy for, the, for those that aren't fully aware, please? Of course. So I uh, sat on the National Food Strategy Advisory Panel. Um, it, this was a, a group got together by the then uh, DEFRA Secretary the, for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, Michael Gove. And he asked Henry Dimbleby, who is uh, an entrepreneur, uh, a chef himself and also um, co-founder of the Leon uh, chain of which I'm sure if anybody's gone any, anywhere near a station uh, yeah. anywhere in the UK will know it's a uh, healthy fast food and he was asked to gather a group of people together to look at the food system and how we could make it better and um, the the piece of work that came out uh, was uh, radical in in part of it it suggested a, a salt and sugar tax in order to pay for other schemes to promote healthy food. Uh, there was a lot in there about education and also about farming. And this is one of the areas of the, the strategy that I think wasn't concentrated on because everybody in the mainstream media obviously was more interested in taxation and whether or not the strategy promoted more or less meat eating. But the, the method of farming, what he described as the three pronged method or three types, which is 
sustainable intensification, uh, land sparing, but also rewilding as well, uh, I think is a, you know, it's a model. You might not necessarily agree with absolutely everything in the strategy, but I think for the first time, you've got a really, really excellent database and evidence base that was put together for everything from field to fork and how we make, uh, make it better and make people healthier as a result. Sarah, well, well, well done. And again, just to reiterate, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what um, uh, Mr. Dimbleby uh, presents at that point in time, especially with the with the, with the uh, government involvement. And um, but Barbara, as I sort of intimated, that Oxford Farm Conference is, is the go-to event to go to um, uh, as a as a delegate, but also as a speaker. Do you think the speakers are influenced by what they pick up, the, the networking? The I don't, I'm trying to avoid the word uh, the use of the word lobbying, but the 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 the, whisper, not, not, the the direct conversations that they're having with the, with the delegate. Do you think, Barbara, they're, they're influenced as much as hopefully we are listening to them? I'm sure they are. I mean, the green room at the Oxford Farming Conference is the place to be. I think the energy that you get, you know, it's great as, as directors, we go and collect people from the green room when it's time for them to go on stage. And, you know, it, sometimes you have to pull them away and say, right, you're wow. on. You know, they're literally exchanging ideas and you just feel the passion in the room about people's topics and the fact that they've met somebody who they probably would never have met at a normal conference because conferences tend to be themed and very kind of discipline based so it yeah. tends to be if you go to an agricultural conference you might be just going to a soil conference or you might just be going to a fresh produce conference whereas Oxford covers everything so you've got people who are rubbing shoulders with each other who wouldn't normally meet in their day jobs and that's where you get the magic happening. Yeah, yeah and, and I also think um, Max that the you know one of the USPs of Oxford is is very much the ability to, to for delegates to challenge some of the you know big hitters some of the international thinkers and wow. this is why we have every year we've managed to attract um, really phenomenal uh, speakers I mean previously we've had U.S. agriculture secretaries EU agriculture commissioners uh, national speakers international speakers and there's not many forum in which yeah. you as a delegate can get up and have a reasonable chance of asking your question and getting involved in a debate not just being talked to and then having two kind of questions at the end of it and then the uh, the delegate goes off and often our delegates stay all the way through so you'll you know, again this idea of having the opportunity to 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 network and to engage with uh, first-rate speakers I think personally and you know we've all been to loads of conferences and I think it's pretty unparalleled. Yeah, agreed. And just on that, that side, Sarah, Barbara, um, we're all about collaboration. Um, if, if you want the, the, the Beanstalk Network or all the people dialed in listening to this to, to assist you, to, to get you other keynote speakers, would that be uh, welcomed by, by, by yourself or are you a bit of a closed shop and uh, it's, uh, it's invite only? What, what's your view, view on that, please? Barbara, you go first. You know us, Max. We talk to a wide range. We want to appeal to a, a diverse audience and have really good discussions and and pick out themes that wouldn't necessarily be picked out everywhere else. So we rely on the power of our network. And I think this year we've been particularly keen to partner up. We've done events with Nuffield Farming, um, the Global Farming Network, Nature Friendly Farmers, and we've got more to come down the line with our bite size. And obviously we're here with you today. So we are very keen to partner up with other organizations and reach out to as many parts of the farming system as we can. Thank you, Sarah, your view? Oh. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I mean, the, 
we like to think of Oxford as the festival idea of ideas for agriculture, not only in this country, but wow. around the world. And so um, if anyone has, and, and one of the joys of when I was, a, I was a journalist for, for many years, and one of the joys of doing that job was uh, to just talk to people of a particular the sort of specific disciplines that Mar Barbara was talking about yeah, and find out these amazing stories that everybody in the in the discipline itself just kind of expected yeah. to happen or knew knew anyway but for a, a generalist was incredible um, and yeah. I think that is the advantage you know of your audience having so many you know, specific interests and specific different disciplines any speakers that they think are worthy of an Oxford uh, invitation we'd be really happy to hear about. So, so let's just push that out to, to, to the network. If, if you've got a speaker or perhaps you're, you're, you, th you think you're, you're worthy, not worthy, that sounds patronising, um, you, you would be of interest to the Oxford Farming Conference uh, delegation, be that in, in person or online. Let's get you in contact with uh, Sarah and Barbara, but also let's just manage expectations um, because uh, by the sounds of it, they're, they're, they're pretty well set for, for January, but there's a conference um, every year. And as we get out of our current situation, um, um, th these ladies are so well bossed, so well organised, they're, they're already thinking, of 2023 as to how to make that a success and, and, and also um uh, Sarah Barbara the, the, this whole thing about the, the UK where do I go with this one U UK is is deemed to be the best of the world at retail uh UK is deemed to be the best of the world and Sarah sustainability um and and packaging I I think what you've created with this lightning rod of an organization of a conference being the Oxford Farming Conference is is to be uh, the, the global centre in some respects for, for agriculture and agriculture intelligence. So, so if anything, the with the, the two of you being co-chair, it feels like you're on a journey with the Oxford Farming Conference. Where do you want the conference to be three, four years out down the line? Barbara, you go first. I'd like the conference to be something I look back on and say I left it in a good shape. That's, that's my current <laughs> wish. <laughs> But I can see that there's a real momentum. You know, I think in the last few years, we've really focused on appealing to a diverse audience because we know that the British farming sector, because of the way that farms are inherited, it's very hard to get into as an outsider. We've really seemed to push back at that and get young people, more women, people from a whole range of backgrounds. And I think that's been really an interesting journey because you then get that diversity of thought. You then get people challenging the status quo, not because they want to destroy it, but it's because they just want to be part of it and improve it. And I think that's where we've really seen some, some great thinkers and having that international perspective helps feed in. Because yeah. I think in the UK, we can be a bit, yeah, we're so brilliant at this and forget that other countries might have done it better. And yeah. sometimes hearing that and sharing those ideas helps us remember our place a little bit and that we need to learn from others as well as um, share what we're really competent and good at. And, and Sarah, your, your view, where would you like the, the conference to be when, when you hand it over, when you pass the baton down the line? Well, well, again, I think to Barbara's point about diversity, um, it's uh, Matt, one of our previous chairman, uh, Matt Naylor, did uh, some really amazing groundbreaking work with AgRespect um, and uh, encouraging and supporting uh, members of the farmers, farming community who are uh, LGBTQA plus, wow. you know, to, um, to, to feel confident in order to, to you know, get some self-help and, and some networking as well. And I think that was an amazing platform for us to build on. Um, I think that, you know, why does diversity matter? Well, it 
matters because no sector is resilient unless it's diverse as well. Yep. And that's not just about your cultural diversity or your sexual orientation, but it's your diversity of thought. Yep. Um, I'm sure we've all been to lots of conferences and events where people stand up and they say, my name is you know, whatever, and I'm a X generation farmer, fourth generation. No other sector does that. No one gets up in an accounting conference and says, I'm a fifth generation accountant. No one cares. Um, and, but there's that kind of burden of, of um, a weight of expectation. And you see it talking to, to farmers up and down the country. What does dad think? What would granddad have thought? Yeah. How would my great uncle have done this? Yeah. And the tsunami of change that is coming, um, the changing to how, you, how you're going to get paid, changes to the trade rules, change to sustainability. The Environment Bill is going to ask questions of everybody in the supply chain. Yeah. You are going to be asked by you, the people you supply to how sustainable you are, how net zero your business is. Yeah. All of these changes are coming. And the way to look is absolutely forward and not back. And I think the more diverse the group of people who are making those decisions and supporting British agriculture, the yeah. better. Yeah, well, 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 well said. Applaud you, applaud you both on that. It, it feels like it's evolution, not revolution with the Oxford Farming Conference. The fact that the conference has been going so robustly for 75 years, um, all those, those previous chairs um, behind you, uh, they, they've managed to adapt um, to create success for the, for the conference ongoing. So it's going to be fascinating, especially for the, for the younger generation to come through, to get involved at this stage and hopefully be part of it, to be the next Sarah, to be the next Barbara, to take it on to, to that next stage. And, and Barbara, just going back to one point that you made on the international um, aspects, um, it was interesting speaking to Harper Adams, Harper Adams um, University, and I hope they, they don't mind me saying this because I'm trying to assist them on it. Uh, one bugbear they got with their students is that the students don't have an appetite about going out overseas um, on the on the lights of their the placements or, or when they've uh, fin finished college. Um, I, I went to Harper and um, um, for my placement year, I did a year on cotton farming in, in Australia. And it was the absolute um, make, making, um, making of me. And I know that if I had any students uh, from Harper or Sarancester or Newcastle or Reading or Rissell um, come to me, I could get them jobs in South America, South Africa, um, Canada, North America. And, and, but, the, but there isn't that appetite. And I'm hoping with the, with, with the conference, the fact that um, the hybrid model is going to get more international people involved, that the, the students dialed in, uh, will be, the interest will be peaked and to, to see, well, actually, I could go to Canada for a year on cherries. That'd be amazing. And I don't get paid for it uh, rather than have to go uh, backpack it in, in, in Thailand or, or some, somewhere, somewhere horrible like that. So I'm just hoping that, so far, we go back to your specific point that we can open the eyes of, of some of our students who, who aren't fully aware that there's a life outside uh, the, the, the UK channel. So anything that we can do on that side to promote the international angle will be, will, will be amazing. I, I suppose actually, well, it's, no, Max, actually, it's a good time for me to talk about the scholarship programme because we do take 50 scholars every year and it'd be you know, great to have lots of interest in that. Obviously for the physical, it's got to be, they've got to be based in the UK, but we did have a lady from Nigeria who joined the digital program this year. So the digital program you know, is obviously available to everyone. And uh, it'd be great to see more and more people taking up this opportunity because as a scholar, you're able to attend the conference the same as a normal delegate, but you have extra um, kind of tuition and you have your own network a WhatsApp group and you, you get wow. special treatment to help you integrate into the conference and help you understand how the agriculture, world of agriculture works. And I always say to the, the, the scholars coming in, 
look around the room at these people because these 50 people in the room will be the same 50 people your career is going to develop with and you know it's funny because when I did it last a couple of years ago the physical one we had Beth Hart who was um, VP of McDonald's and I said well Beth and I were at university together it's a good job we didn't fall out because we're still having to work together (laughs) you know it's about explaining little things like that to to people you know that the generation who you are studying with and developing the, the beginning of your career with are the people you're going to carry on with and I think people don't necessarily realize that they kind of think they're going to go out into a big wide world but our sector is quite small I think we do need to look around and, and see who else we can bring in. And, and, the, and the sector so sorry I'd be interested to see what you think um, because you're, you're as worldly wise as Barbara but it, it's, it's to the advantage that it's a, a niche sector because of that that network that you can build up from, from a, a young age I'm just thinking of myself with all, all of my um, college connections has been um, hugely um, beneficial. Sarah, would, would you endorse that? Would you see, see the same thing? Oh, absolutely. Um, the the network, I mean, no matter what sector you're in, the network that you develop is absolutely key to your own uh, progression and your own professional pro- progression. I was just thinking as Barbara was talking, I mean, for, for example, um, one of our speakers is uh, Catherine Nakalembe from a NASA Harvest. Now, who would have thought wow. someone working with NASA is going, wow. to, is going to be interested in the farming sector but I think we've all seen this I mean to 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 build on yours and Barbara's points it's not just farmers and people involved in agriculture and the supply chain that are interested in farming anymore yeah you've got billionaires buying up land um, and and farming it now um, in a way that's tech-based that's information-based venture capitalists are now turning up at agricultural conferences and IT specialists and there is a future that you can see which is very IT technological and you know new uh, new science based uh, which there's going to be to Barbara's point a whole range of skills that we're going to need and to have a a flexible career what you need is you need the contacts to be able to to support you in that journey so you may start off as an agronomist you might end up having to be a computer expert or a software designer or engineer in order to do essentially the same kind of job but in very different circumstances and, and, and just to top and tell that so because we've done a couple of broadcasts on on international uh, ag and fresh produce the the, the financing the the allure for, for the funds to come in in the last recession um, a number of uh, funds came running towards um, agriculture because they saw it as a safe haven with this perceived p- pandemic um re- recession those funds are coming in but also funds uh, looking to get involved in fresh food fresh produce because COVID, how do we get over COVID? Uh, by eating healthy, healthier food, and hence why there's a there's a, a, a clamour. And sorry, you hit it on the on the button about it's not just um, a company investing in 2,000 hectares of avocados in Peru. It's all the surrounding um, infrastructure. Um, and what I'm picking up is that that um, ag tech. Let's let's give it a label. That ag tech is like personal computing was in the early 90s. The revolution that's going to going to happen is 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 going to be fascinating fast paced yes there's going to be losers yes there's going to be winners so so again do you think the conference would be of interest for uh, funds um in the uk internationally to be dialed into just to, just to get a feel of um of what's happening in the, in the sector barbara sorry sarah <laughs> no 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 after you barbara <laughs> I mean, so that is one of the conference strengths because we set the agenda for the agri-food communities discussions and it's great to see other sectors looking at what we're doing so obviously we, we've always got 
Barclays, HSBC, people from that, that network coming anyway. But it'd be really interesting to see people from outside those traditional funding sources coming in. Because I think what tends to happen, and we know this from a previous broadcast that we did, Max, is that venture capitalists or people who are wanting to be angel investors tend to invest in the people they know and the, the areas around them. And there aren't that many people living in rural areas. It reduces the, the ability to, to bump into people like that. And I think Oxford, if somebody's got the right ideas and is at our conference, they can meet people to talk to and talk and explore about areas that they can invest in. So it's a great place for everybody to meet and greet and, and network. Yeah. Sarah. Uh, yes, um, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, those of us who have been and you and unless you go, you don't know just how different Oxford is. Um, so whether you're joining us digitally from New York or Chicago or uh, or Canberra or whether you're joining us face to face, um, we're investing in some uh, new technology which will allow us for our digital delegates to have a very um, a very immersive experience. So you'll be able to sit on tables together and network together as you would do if you were at the face-to-face -face conference. But also all our delegates at the face-to-face -face event will get that unique opportunity in such a beautiful part yeah. of the world as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, there is nothing quite like Oxford and nothing quite like uh, breaking bread to together and sharing experiences together over a meal at uh, you know, the one of these amazing Oxford colleges that we're very lucky to be able to use as part of the face-to-face -face wow. offer. Um, sustainability, one of the governors of uh, Rittle has, uh, has just WhatsApp me to, to ask what's the agenda um, with the Oxford Harbour Conference in respect of uh, sustainability. And, and, and just before we dive, dive into that, um, uh, with my recruitment head on earlier, I was loading up a, a sustainability um, manager role for, for a fresh produce company. And just out of curiosity, I went on to LinkedIn, LinkedIn Jobs, and there's 48 sustainability manager uh, requirements across all, all industry sectors in the, in the, in the UK. And, it, and it's, uh, it's, it's right on vogue for all, all, the, all the right reasons. Um, but rather than me going down my, my rabbit hole, Sarah, if it's okay to come, come back to you, with, especially with your sustainability uh, background, Oxford Farming Conference, how are you addressing the sustainability uh, question uh, issue theme, please? Well, I think it's going to be a theme that will run through every single uh, section of the yeah. conference programme, inevitably, because as you said, I mean, my, I should say my day job uh, is chief executive of the Institute of Environmental Management and Assessment, and we are a membership organisation and policy development organisation for environment and sustainability professionals. So, yes, I kind of live and breathe this uh, for the, the bits, the scraps of my week that aren't being currently taken up by yes. Oxford. Um, but yes, um, part of the, the, the theme, Roots to Resilience, a resilience would suggest a sustainable, a genuinely sustainable business model. And yeah. for example, we have, which always is a hugely popular, inspiring farmers session um, on the first okay, day so. in the afternoon. Uh, we've got a great lineup of, of farmers who are really you know, experts in their fields and will also I'm, I am sure, having known who they are, really drive sustainability through their presentations. It's mm -hmm. going—it's inevitably going to be a question in the international trade session, yeah. which will be the the opener. Is how it's you know, farmers are being asked to do. I think 
Caroline Drummond says, you know, the kind of farming week and Mondays thinking about this thing and Tuesdays thinking about net zero and Wednesdays thinking about um, how do I keep the wildlife uh, going and 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 still at the end of the day you have to make a profit as well as well as yep. all these other things that you're being asked to do so to be a, a truly sustainable farm can mean an awful lot of things financially sustainable mm. sustainable from a climate emergency point of view and from a biodiversity point of view and that inevitably will be a very very large part of our discussions fantastic i, I, I did a broadcast a couple of weeks ago with, the, with america and they were trying to introduce me to this phrase regenerative agriculture and i was trying to explain to them what, when we'd sort of known of that for a while we've sort of been doing it for, for a while here but they were having none of that it's, it's like our gig it's our toy how dare you have it we've licensed it but, so, so, but, but barbara you're 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 you'll be seeing more of this um message especially within fresh produce on the whole sustainability element as, as of course i guess what i say within agriculture so you must be excited for seeing that that promotion of sustainability through the conference yes and like sarah says sustainability is just not one discipline and for us it's also about making sure from a human health point of view people have got access to fresh produce so it's great that we can have businesses that are you know financially viable and sustainable that way but also looking after the environment but we also need to include the population who are going to eat that product and we know that from the national food strategy we have been talking about people not getting enough fruits and vegetables and there's a difference between those who choose not to have enough fruits and vegetables but we do know that people on a lower income can't afford to um, well they can't afford anything never mind food so that is a huge issue and I think it's time we, we looked at that because we know that um, food necessarily isn't the, the, the solution to the problem of food poverty. It's actually money that's the solution to food poverty. And I think it's about time we took the whole food security piece, not just the production in the UK, because obviously we need to look at what's feasible to produce in the UK. And we will all, always have to import from outside because our climate, the way it is, even with climate change and global warming, won't yeah. sustain us 12 months a year, but we also need to look at food security at an individual household level yeah. and how can people access that food so I think that's important to bear in mind. Yeah well, um, and sorry Max but to talk about, you know, talking about sustainability I mean if you think about uh, the current business model if that's what you could call it is you know a, a product only starts becoming value added once it leaves the farm gate and yeah. the, all the value uh, goes on at somewhere else in the supply chain and so um, it Talking about sustainability in the context of agriculture also means sustainability so people don't have to be, as many are at the moment, running to stand still. Um, I mean, we, Barbara and I have talked about this before. As, as, a, as a CEO, I spend about, about 20, 30% of my week thinking about strategy. So thinking about the next year, the next three, next five, 10, 10 years for the organization I run. Um, most farmers simply are looking to the end of the next week or end of this week or hoping that it doesn't rain this afternoon because I've got to get out on the combine they simply don't have the bandwidth at the moment to think about think about that plan and that strategy for their farm and so sustainability has to include finding helping and supporting farmers to find that bandwidth whether it's through peer-to-peer -peer learning or uh, another you know, other ways for example like Oxford where you can come and think and discuss uh, lots of perhaps very novel ideas that you wouldn't have thought about before. Yeah, and guys, uh, uh, horny one. Um, 
uh, I won't name them because they've asked them to remain uh, anonymous, uh, but a large fresh produce supplier is stating that they want to get uh, more and more involved in sustainability, but their problem is they're not getting the margin return from the retailer. The retailer doesn't seem to understand um, that there needs to be more investment, inward investment for them and for their, for their growers. Can we use the Oxford Farming Conference to to lobby retailers so that they have a better understanding of the issues that marketing companies such as us and growers and farmers are having so that there's more income coming downstream to benefit those uh, individuals to help help sustainability there has been no food inflation for the last 15 years consumers need to pay more can we influence the retailers through the oxford farming conference to that effect barbara it's a platform and i've been really impressed at retailers over the last few years talking to various people because they're open to having discussions with everybody. There's no kind of them and us. They're right. sitting in the audience with everyone. Like I've been really impressed by that and people listen, but obviously everyone's an individual and you don't see have the whole agenda of your business walking around with you at the time. So I think people can be sympathetic, but change happens over time. You build the momentum. I think we, we are in a place where we need to understand that people in the UK just need more money. There are too many people just about managing and Asking people to pay more for food isn't going to be popular, but it doesn't mean that's not the right thing to do. I think we genuinely need to take a step back and look at the whole situation because there's no one size fits all solution. We know that growers need to have more money, but we also know that the, the consumer are, are being priced out at the bottom end. So, yeah. you know, is the solution talking to the treasury and saying everyone needs a universal income of 30 grand? Who knows? But that would yeah. solve a lot of the problems, wouldn't it? Because yeah. we'd be able to put prices up. And, and also we can get the consumer to buy more and with um, uh, Mr. Dimbleby and the National Food Strategy and perhaps some, some uh, mega announcements, Sarah, um, at the Oxford Farming Conference, that's actually going to potentially help help that, that individual because they, they might be in a position to sell more. What do you think, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, it, it, as, as Barbara said, the, the trouble is, it, 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 and, and this is one of the, the, the things I think we, you know, we want to address, it's not just the fact that farmers don't have a voice it's the parallel uh, consumers not having a, a real voice either that they are just as as trapped in many ways by um, by circumstance by finance by the inability um, um, we've had you know, many discussions as you can imagine about this affordability of food and um, yes, I mean, if you can get to a supermarket and if you can get there and eat seasonally and all those other things, that's great. If you're a single, I mean, I was a single parent for six or seven years and, you know, I was on a good wage. I had a roof over my head. I had a full time job. Uh, even so, it was you know, it's very difficult to feed the children as I would have liked to because I didn't have a huge amount of time. Um, every time you wanted to get something fresh, you had to. Yeah, it was a car journey or a bus yeah. journey or a couple of bus journeys. And um, it's it's taking down those barriers and, and mutually understanding. When I think in some ways, farmers have become in some ways disconnected from the people that they're ultimately serving, which are the consumers, because there's a whole load of people in between who are um, who are involved. I mean, for, for very good reasons. I'm not saying they shouldn't be there, but um, that understanding, that mutual understanding, consumers understanding farmers' positions and, and vice versa is something, again, I think that we can really help with, particularly through our charitable objectives to inform, uh, inspire and educate uh, the farming world. And I love it, although that social media is such a 
a, a great thing that the estate that I live on in um, Suffolk, um, they planted 86,000 sunflowers uh, and they're all in bloom at the moment. And they've set up a, a marquee and they've got swings and they've got mazes oh. um, and uh, people can come and cut their own sunflowers. And actually, the thing that they found most interesting is that they're educating the families that are coming along and, and the kids as to what the rest of the farm does. And they didn't actually they, they, they actually set it up as a as a, as a money-making diversification exercise but it's actually been so beneficial to the estate to educate the, the the people coming through as to well that's a combine and that makes your 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 bread what do you mean it makes our bread well and, and they walk, walk through us and um uh, again that connect i, I hope between uh, consumer and um, and farmers is getting less and less and, and it goes without saying with, with the with the help of the oxford farming conference to to achieve that and we're start, start, starting to slightly run out of time. One thing I just want to go um, swivel back on, Barbara, the um, Oxford Farming uh, Scholars Programme. Can you just give, a, give us a bit more detail on it um, for, for those that, that may not be aware of it, and, and they should be because it might be of interest to them. Can, can you give us the elevator pitch, please? <laughs> the programme is to help support people in that kind of 22-year-old to 30-year age group. So people at the beginning of their careers, they might have just finished university or might just be on an apprenticeship programme, but wanting to get into agri-food. And, it, you know, the fact that you haven't got into agri-food yet isn't a barrier. It's about people who want a career in that sector. And the whole point of bringing people together is so that they can build a network together, get to know each other over the three days. What will happen is they normally arrive on a Wednesday lunchtime, have, um, have lunch together, and then the programme starts. If um, they apply early enough, so the, the, the applications are open until the 22nd of September. So if you get your application in early enough, you'll also be able to take part in the pre-conference events. So the wow. pre-conference events include some like mini leadership training, communication skills training, and also a trip to one of the um, supply chain for McDonald's, who McDonald's UK sponsor the programme. So we've taken people to see a bakery, to see a plant that makes uh, burger patties and, and so on and so forth. So, the opportunities will be dependent on where we're at with um, social distancing and all that type of thing. So it might be a digital type of event, but it's about bringing these the scholars together. So if they apply early enough, they'll get the pre-conference events. If they apply a bit later, then they'll be shepherded all the way through from the Wednesday to the, the Friday afternoon and have some extra sessions. And it's all organised by Dr. Jenna Ross, who is based at CHAPS, or one of the research centres. So she's got some brilliant ideas, great connections. We'll be getting people from Nuffield speaking wow. on, the, on the leadership side and a couple of journalists speaking on the, on the media and promoting um, social media and discussion side. So it's, it's an action-packed programme. And I often wish that I was on the programme, not having to plan it because it just looks like so much fun. And you know that in the evenings, everyone's going to get together, not necessarily just within their own cohort. I think it yeah. gives people the confidence to go and tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hi, I really admire your company i'd love to work for you one day and the, the older generation are quite open to that which i find absolutely fascinating because i think if it was any other conference you wouldn't go and tap somebody on the shoulder and say oh i'd really love a job at your but you know our scholars just get so bold in that 48 hour period Fantastic. you know and it's great to see the evolution they come in they're kind of like looking and looking and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then by the end of it they're saying well this is where i'm going to go and this is what i'm going to do They've all shared their, their career experiences and the ones who aren't in the sector yet have got some ideas of what they could do with their career. And that's where the magic happens. That's the really powerful stuff. Barbara, well done. Uh, Sarah and I want to join uh, the, the scholarship scheme. Uh, would you give us uh, both a reference? Well, you give, you give Sarah a reference, I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, not so sure after that. No, no, no. So, so, come on, so come on, guys. Why should people come to the Oxford Farming Conference on Thursday the 5th to Saturday the 7th of Jan 2022, whether that be in person or virtually? Why should people attend the conference? Sarah, you go first, please. There's, there's nothing like it in the world. There is nothing like it. That uh, ability to, as Barbara said, you know, you can, if you're coming face to face, if you're coming in person, you can sit down in a 400 year old dining hall and you can have um, a, a professor of agriculture sitting at one side of you and you can have an ambassador the other, you can have um, a, a dairy farmer uh, from Herefordshire opposite you and uh, an out an arable um an arable farmer from essex opposite and you will all start having that conversation um and you will learn and you will be inspired by the people around you you will not see a better and more high profile list of speakers who will really stretch your thoughts and and i have come out of previous Oxford farming conferences before I became a director um, and speakers have stayed with me for decades in some cases and the, the, the power of their messages and the ability for you to just think different thoughts um, I mean we're all and Barbara mentioned it earlier I mean particularly in rural communities and particularly in the last 18 months it has been impossible to get out to have those human connections and to understand where other people are coming from and to generate new ideas when we're not just peering at a screen and yeah. that is what we're going to give you if you're a digital digital delegate you have the ability to network and to connect with our other delegates across the world to have a really rich experience all that learning and also some extra digital content so fantastic Barbara, over to you. Why should people attend the Oxford Farming Conference from Thursday the 5th to Saturday the 7th, Jan 2022? Barbara. To up their conference game. We've been sitting at home watching Zoom events for too long. We need to participate in something that's really going to challenge us and inspire us, as Sarah said. But I'd just like to mention that it, the 5th of January is a Wednesday, Max. So please do come on 5th of January, a Wednesday, not a Thursday, so you don't miss out on all the pre-conference fringe events that happen on the Wednesday afternoon. It is just the, the, the best opportunity you're going to have. You're going to set the year off on a high. You'll be thinking very clearly and very differently because of all the different things that you've heard from also being able to chat to people, like Sarah said, who you wouldn't normally have got the opportunity to see and speak. Did you get Barbara just dropping out then? Just so Barbara, slightly. Your, your, yes, your, uh, your internet dropped out a little bit, Barbara, but we got the message. We, we got the fact I got the dates wrong, as always. Uh, but, but we know it's uh, the, the 5th of the 7th, January 2022. So really looking forward to this. And just to reiterate again to, to the network, if you can help find uh, further speakers, be, be it for um, 2022, but actually might be for 23 and 24, Get in contact with uh, with Barbara and um, and Sarah. I'm really excited about the the scholarship um, element as well. That we'll, we'll look to push um, our end. And, and, and yeah, this this great title um, of um, Roots to Resilience. I think we're going to learn so much from this seminal um, event. Really looking looking forward to it. Um, and guys, just just to wrap up. <laughs> it's uh i've just just had someone message me to say um i've got jeremy clarkson's mobile number uh do you want to ring him to see if he can attend conference yes Sarah? please <laughs> yes please 
I won't ask how you got his mobile number. That, that that was that would be fun, wouldn't it? But yeah, but but he might he might have a problem with the steak. But we that's that's a story for another time. Um, Sarah, Barbara, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, we all look forward to to the conference, and we look forward to the bite size um, elements. Your, your your marketing team with Jane Craig and Co have, have been fantastic and going to be fantastic um, on on the run up to the conference. Be well. We look forward to seeing you in January in person. See you soon. Thanks, Barbara. Thanks, Thanks Sarah. Max. Thanks so much Bye. for having us. Thank you. No problem. Bye. 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 Bye.